Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're you're about about to to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 162 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Kill La Kill episodes 22 through 24, where Ryuko finally gets her scissors, hype thrusters are activated, and we learn that humans and clothes are not the same thing. I mean, I know it's been a hotly sought-after debate for many years that humans and clothes were in fact the same thing. If you think about it, they're very similar, but there are key differences, and one of them is that clothes don't poop. And I mean, if you're really gonna look at it, you, you have to realize that clothes don't poop. And that's that's gonna be your key giveaway if it's clothes or people. I guess animals poop. I'm finding holes in my logic already. Anyways, let's jump in. Clothes don't poop. <laughs> when in doubt. Well, we've already got our poop. first episode title contender, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> Everybody, so uh, heads up, uh, this is the last episode of our coverage of Kill a Kill. Um, so when you are listening to this, there is already going to be a poll up. I'm releasing the poll on Friday when I'm releasing this episode. Um, that poll is going to be uh, basically like an open ended question. There's also going to be one on the Patreon. Um, so if you are interested, uh, as a patron in voting on, um, what you would like for the next episode, you're going to be able to pick. Um, so we do a Patreon pick, we do a fan pick, and then Blake and I also pick one each. Um, after that, um, we will give it a full week. And then after that, it will turn into a different poll where we, everybody gets to vote on the ones that were picked by, uh, myself, Blake the fans out there and also the patreons um so if you're interested uh you should definitely get in touch with us let us know that you know what show you're dying to see um i'm also going to throw on there the like the ones that blake and i have already picked um because i'm i know what mine is going to be i am a i am i'm fighting hard for outlaw star Yeah, I gotta figure out what mine is, uh, but I can do that real quick. So, I mean, not right now, but you know, after after we record, I'll uh, I'll do that. Yeah. So, uh, let me just repeat back to make sure that I am understanding. Everybody else listening is understanding. So, this episode of Kill la Kill comes out on June twenty fifth, Friday, June twenty fifth. That is correct. Uh, so with that, there will be a poll, post, whatever encouraging people to submit shows that they want people to vote on. So this is not the vote of what will replace Kill la Kill, but it is a an open-ended question for you to submit whatever you want us to cover to us. Mm-hmm. There will be a separate one of these on the Patreon page for patrons only who can also submit their own. Correct. And those two things will be available for one week. Yes. Then um, at, after that week, we will pick, I'm, I'm assuming at random, from the uh, shows suggested to us by the general listenership, they will get one slot on the final poll 
the patrons will get another slot and then you and I both each get a slot to ourselves leading to four different shows to vote on and that voting will start on the Naruto Ship It In episodes week which is July 7th and then you'll have basically three weeks to vote is that right so the 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 poll where you're going to be able to vote on is actually going to be July 2nd but not I thought I thought you said 7th but second i think i did say seventh but i meant to say second but july is seven and i got confused while i was you know thinking and talking yeah um so on the second you're right there, there will be the four shows that you can vote from so um not to we're not trying to make voting super complicated here but mostly uh the biggest reason we do this is because um we had it in the past where it was like three shows and then one um that you could kind of just write in and we found that like the right in one never really had uh, enough legs to stand on um just because people just kind of picked it random and you couldn't see what other people picked and i couldn't figure out a easy way to do it um so yeah it's like a it's like the concept of a spoiler if you if you pay attention to politics there can be a spoiler candidate which is somebody who is unlikely to win, but who is likely to draw a significant portion of support from one of the candidates who is likely to win. And so they are they are basically never going to win, but they could potentially sway the election from a candidate who would win if they weren't running to the candidate who would not win and who consequently would be disliked by more people, if that makes sense yeah so so like how how do you do how do you do an example of that so if you have like donald trump and uh and hillary clinton running mm -hmm. and then i don't know who's uh, bernie sanders so let's do that that's kind of the 2016 field so if you if you have hillary as the democratic candidate and then bernie decides to run as an independent he's going to be really popular among a large portion of people who would otherwise vote for hillary clinton and they're going to split that vote. So even though more people would ultimately vote for Hillary Clinton than for Donald Trump, uh, in the Bernie Sanders situation, they would probably both get fewer votes than Donald Trump total, yeah. if that makes sense. Not a great example because Donald Trump still won with fewer votes, um, but that's more of a technicality that has something to do with the Electoral College and not with a spoiler candidate. But that's what a spoiler candidate is. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that that brief aside apart, uh, you can start voting. Today you've learned political uh, science. Yeah. Uh, but uh, with all that being said, I, I don't have I don't have much news from the week. I, I checked out uh, a yeah, couple of things news this week. Um, my big thing that I wanted to remind people of uh, is if you are listening and not part of the Discord yet. Um, another reason to join the Discord is we are actively reading as a group Chainsaw Man. Um, it is fantastic. We just finished Chapter 2 last week, um, and we do uh, our manga club every Friday um, where we, we go through. Uh, I had a had a great pun up there, um, if you want that. Uh, we, we, we post like some of our favorite pages... Um, what we thought, what of our, what our impressions were, man, this manga is so brutal and so bloody, but also just so good. Um, yeah, I haven't read it, but I am currently reading the previous manga from the same creator, which is called fire punch and uh, man, it's rough. Yeah. But, uh, with all that being said, we do have a lot to cover today because this is our finale of kill a kill. So Blake, can you remind us what happened previously on kill a kill? 
Boy, can I, maybe. Um, so Kill the Kill is a complicated beast in that it is wacky and has a lot of stuff in it. Uh, at its core, it is about a girl named Ryuko who is on a revenge quest. Specifically, her father was killed and she thinks she knows who did it. Now, she exists in a really weird world in which clothes have all the power. So in this universe, there are these things called life fibers, and clothes made with life fibers are called Goku uniforms. And if you're wearing a Goku uniform, you have superpowers that, uh, you know, shown in anime superpowers. Uh, this is generally concentrated in an area called Hanoji Academy, which is a local high school that also serves as a sort of totalitarian government for the area surrounding Hanoji Academy, with the student body principal as the kind of de facto dictator. That is a woman named, Sa or a girl named Satsuki, who uh, Ryuko suspects is at fault for the death of her father. Ryuko goes to fight and is beaten up pretty bad by the Goku uniforms, but in the process she finds two things. One is a best friend, a hilarious ditzy girl named Mako, and uh, the other is a special uniform that is named Senketsu. It has a name, at least in part, because it is sentient and has to work together with Ryuko as a pair. Uh, but it's also super strong. It's stronger than the Goku uniforms because instead of being made with life fibers, such as having a life fiber woven into the cloth like the Goku uniforms, it is made entirely from life fibers and is consequently very, very strong. It also absorbs the life fibers of all of the Goku uniforms that it defeats, making it stronger over time. There's been a long journey, which has included Ryoko discovering that Satsuki is not directly responsible for her father's death, but instead ordered a hit using a uh, sort of frenemy named Nui. Nui works for the Revox Corporation, which is a global, global clothing conglomerate run by Satsuki's mother, Ragyo. Ragyo uh, also utilizes life fibers in all of the clothes made by the Revox Corporation. And it turns out that life fibers are actually a sort of parasitic alien life form that landed on Earth many millions of years ago, figured out that our primate ancestors were going to be capable of uh, utilizing the life fiber clothing and generating energy for the life fiber clothing eventually. And so... The life fibers caused those primate ancestors to evolve into humans today, and in the process caused humans to evolve with a desire to wear clothing so that the life fibers could sort of instill themselves as a, as a kind of sleeper agent um, in our kind of human consciousness. Ragyo, by the by, is also a life fiber alien uh, it's still unclear to me if she was always a life fiber alien or if she is a woman who, like a human woman, who gave her body over to become a life fiber alien. But suffice to say, the, the end result is the same. We also learned that Satsuki and Ryuko are both her daughters, although Ryuko more so. This is kind of confusing, but all you need to know is that Satsuki and Ryuko were discovered to be siblings. Ragyo was discovered to be an evil alien. Satsuki was discovered to not actually be that evil, but to be using the sort of military dictatorship of the high school to prepare to repel the alien invasion rather than to support it. And um, 
her she and her um, elite four, which is her four top student generals around her, have now sided with Ryuko and Mako on the side of the uh, the organization that has been planning for this alien overthrow attempt for a long time, which is called Nudist Beach. So now Nudist Beach and Hanoji Academy, specifically the Elite Four and Satsuki, have all teamed up. And Ryuko was, uh, in our last episode's coverage, basically brain controlled uh, by being put into a different set of clothing than Senketsu, uh, which is sort of a, a competing life fiber costume called Junketsu, which before this was shown to be worn by Satsuki. So she showed up as a mind-controlled villain. Satsuki consequently put on Senketsu to fight her. And now uh, at the end of those episodes, they were able to free Ryuko's mind. And uh, she's going to start our coverage today, I believe the same way she ended it last time, by tearing off Junketsu uh, and regaining her senses. So I think that's everything you need to know. And that's going to take us into episode 22. Yeah, episode 22, Tell Me How You Feel, starts out uh, with Ryuko uh, in the state that she basically was in from the previous episode, which is just just absolutely covered in a full Tarantino of blood. Um, it is so, oh, yeah. so much blood, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's kind of a dope look, though. Like, it feels very... Like this, it feels very battle scarry for like our, you know, our strong protagonist to be like, I earned this through this like terrible fight that I just finished. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, and the the big thing that uh, that happens at the very beginning of this one though um, is that after Ryuko puts uh, puts Senketsu back on, she just she just rips off uh, Nui's arms. <laughs> Well, she rips them off. Well, she specifically cuts them off. Yeah, with uh, uh, the scissor blades. Um, uh, um, Nui has both of the scissor blades, and she's just like, you idiot, you threw the scissor blades at me. So now I have both of them. And so um, and so she's like, okay, well, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slash at you super fast. And then when she slashes at her super fast, she just, uh, well, she, she is able to... Uh, to kick her in her chest, knock the blades out of her hands, and then grab said blades and uh, cut her arms off, and it's great. And we find out that yeah. if you cut with if you cut the with the scissor blades from both sides at the same time, I guess like a big pair of scissors, the the uh, life fibers themselves are not able to regenerate, um, or at least regenerate yeah, I fast neglected- enough. Right, I neglected to mention the scissor blades in the previously on. So Ryuko showed up with one half of a scissor blade, basically a sword that looked like a pair of scissors that had been broken in half, and she only had one half remaining. Mm-hmm. And then I believe Satsuki ended up having the other half. And uh, this has been a big point of contention because Ryuko's dad created the scissor blades, and the breaking of the scissor blades was a part of the grudge that Ryuko has in relation to her father's death. And so being able to combine the scissor blades together has it's kind of a a big like emotional climax for Ryuko because it has been part of her motivation from the beginning of the series and her power set as a shonen battler has felt incomplete without the other half. 
But I think they do a really cool thing here, which is that the life fibers, people who have life fibers uh, in their bodies, of, of which Ryuko is one, if I didn't make that clear at the beginning. Ryuko is basically an alien life form, kind of like Ragio, but she was raised as a human, thinking that the other, that the man who was her father was her her only known parent and that she was a normal human and so that's why she's different and so blah blah, blah. uh now she's got the scissor blades back and when you cut with one scissor blade as a sword it doesn't stop life fibers from regenerating but when you cut them from both angles they describe it as like sort of messing up the severed connections such that they can't reformat themselves like cutting it from one direction is too clean of a cut and so they just reattach but cutting it from both kind of leaves them frayed almost. And so they're not able to weave themselves back together. And I love this. I think that this is, you know, what we're playing in here, as Spencer has mentioned several times, Kill la Kill is kind of like adult Looney Tune action show. Uh, it's not great for kids, but it does kind of work off of uh, cartoon logic in its battles and in its plot. And this is a really, a really just smart way to bring the idea of the scissors into the idea of these like alien beings and just make it feel like oh yeah this is what we were leading up to the whole time this is why scissors not just because it's fun but because it, it makes sense here and I, I just like it i don't think it's the most genius thing in the world but it is a really nice touch that just elevates the show yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely a really cool thing that they do inside of the show um, I, I think the, I think the only part of it that I'm just kind of like, not a hundred percent on, and I think the only reason I'm not a hundred percent on this is for a very specific reason, which is that, um, I, I, I really want the, the swords themselves to not have a, as much, as much power as they should have inside of the show. And I sort of get my wish by the end of the show, by the way. Um, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> your gripe is actually, the solution to your gripe is actually my gripe, which is that uh, I think that the scissors being joined together is a really cathartic moment. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after like the first time they're used, they basically lose all their power because the next battles, uh, the characters always have some sort of counter to them. Uh which I think solves your problem of them being the kind of like er weapon. Whereas for me, I'm like, we worked all this time to put the scissors back together and then, you know, they don't end up really being that effective in the final fight. Like they, they are actually, this is a spoiler, but we're going to get to it. They are not how she wins ultimately. So like they kind of end up being incidental when all is said and done, even though, up until this point the entire show has in some ways been leading up to her joining these scissors together yeah and and that's that's kind of like uh, it's it's one of those things where like i i i don't like when you can predict what's going to happen in the end of it um which mm -hmm. is just like it it's it's like the it's like a story of like arthur and the round table where like he goes to get excalibur like, we know that when he gets Excalibur, he is going to be able to beat and win against anything. But that sort of ruins the story because the story is about a hero who gets Excalibur and wins. So we know he's going to have to get Excalibur. And a lot of people would argue where it's like, it's a part, it's about like the journey to get there. It's the hero's journey is the exciting part. 
But I like when they put a spin on it and twist it at the end to make it not as predictable. And they they really do a good job of that by the end of the show. Um, yeah, but- I see what you're saying. I don't I don't fully agree with the way you're saying it. <laughs> But I think I agree with what you're saying. I think the way you're saying it is maybe a little confusing. Because, like, so I would say pretty much every story is a foregone conclusion, right? If Unless you don't know what type of story it is, right? If you're watching Romeo and Juliet and you don't know the story and you don't know that it's a tragedy, you will be surprised that it ends as a tragedy, but if you do know that it's a tragedy, you know that it's not going to work out. Something is going to go wrong, um, you know. And and if you're if you're watching a Marvel movie, you know that the heroes are going to win. Obviously, there's a big asterisk next to Infinity War, but in generally speaking, superhero stories are stories about how the hero wins. Now, th- those victories might be Pyrrhic victories, uh, and there might be character change, but Ultimately speaking, every story is either a tragedy or not. And if it's a tragedy, things are going to ultimately work out negatively for the hero. They are probably not going to get what they want, or they are going to get what they want and find that it is worse than they're they're worse off than they were beforehand because they shouldn't have wanted it in the first place. If it's not a tragedy, they will get what they want or discover the thing that they should want instead and everything will work out for the better there can be shades to those things but generally speaking all stories are going to end well for the heroes or not well for the heroes and that's based on whether or not it's a tragedy and so you know to a certain extent we know how a story is going to end always based on whether or not it's a tragedy we always know if the hero is going to make it out and yeah sometimes the hero dies making it out or whatever but um you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that predictability is a is a necessary evil in all storytelling. But the the crux of the matter is how you handle it. And I think that's really what you're saying is not necessarily that like the King Arthur example you gave. Like, yeah, we know if this is not a tragedy about King Arthur, he's going to get the sword and it's going to be crucial to the story uh, of him, you know, overcoming whatever it is that he needs to overcome. Um, and I think that's where people come in and say, it's about the journey. But I think what you're saying is that it's also about the implementation. Like, does he get to the sword and then pull it out of the stone? Because that's what we've seen and heard a thousand times. So it's taking that moment and finding a new angle for it. That is what makes stories really pop and feel new, even though ultimately we knew that he was going to succeed no matter what, because of the type of story it is. Yeah. All that being to say... (laughs) so much so much of that is to say this show uh does (laughs) put a cool spin on it at the end that you don't expect yeah and it does it does it in a very cool way too um this this show really this show really ticks a lot of rule of cool boxes um yeah very much it it definitely is going to have a really huge moment of that very soon actually um, because they're going to have this, uh, thing where they're just like the, the whole thing they've been fighting against the, the life fibers, right? They, they've been fighting against it the entire time. Um, but because all these different life fibers, uh, have been dealt with, um, it, that they are fighting against on the ship, um, because she is able to basically scare off Nui, um, 
they're able to get all of these different life fibers and uh, uh, suck out the people, <laughs> which is just a gross way to say it, but it's just, it's what they do. It's what happens. It's what they do. Um, but they they do this and they release all these different people. And because of that, they are left over with just a massive amount of life fiber on the ship. And through this, the the master the master of their uh their i guess their sewing club um yeah so he mcsowerson yeah he's like okay so what i'm gonna do um is i'm gonna make all new uniforms and i'm gonna fix up the uniform that uh lady satsuki was wearing beforehand and i'm gonna make them all good um and this this is ridiculous in a couple of ways first of all Aren't the life fibers supposed to be evil? At this point, we know that she can control these life fibers, and putting them on seems like it would be very stupid and very dangerous. We'll find out why in the next episode. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's one of those things that sort of leads into you need these cool different people to be fighting alongside of it. Otherwise, it's not going to be as interesting of a final fight. And so we do get a lot of that rule of cool situation inside of it. Um, it also- yeah, this show this show's really made to be a series of escalating battles. And I think it works really well with that because of the comedic cartoon logic space in which it lives. And I think that uh, because of that, they're able to be like, yeah, you know, if you stop to think about it, Probably at this point, you don't want to be wearing any life fibers in any really, in any real meaningful way if you are not Ryuko and Senketsu. But um, this show is about cool fights, and we would like to have a few more of those. And so we're going to just uh, ignore that, and we're going to go make more clothes. Yeah. So, that works. So they're, they're cool with this. It also leads to a, a seriously ridiculous moment where... Uh, He's, Ryuko is just like you're gonna wear you're gonna wear uh, Junkets again. Well, if you're gonna do that, you're gonna need to be able to withstand a full a punch from me. And they're like, God, if you hit her at a full punch, she's gonna die. And so she's just like, I don't care. She's gotta stand up to it. And then uh, then Satsuki's just like, Okay, be well. If I can't stand up to it anyways, we're gonna have to fight against Ragio, and I shouldn't be able to fight her anyways. Um, if I can't stand up to a single punch. And then when she goes to punch him, uh, or goes to punch her, she punches one of the Elite Four in the face, and then a different Elite Four member in the face, because they are throwing themselves in the way. And it's full Looney Tunes, because when they get up to look at her afterwards, both of their faces are, like, bent in, and they, like, blow them yeah. out like a balloon popping back out. <laughs> so good. <laughs> It's just a fantastic Yeah, this show on. just, it's just delightful. Like, I was just so, what, sitting and watching these episodes, and I was like, man, if people listening to this haven't started watching this show, they really should if they are, you know, Spencer and I routinely call ourselves shonen trash because the thing that draws us to these series is dope-ass fights. And, you know, sometimes series can lose us a little bit if they don't go as hard on the dope-ass fights 
as we were expecting, such as Hunter x Hunter. And sometimes, you know, series need a little bit more than the dope-ass fights to make it work. I would say that's something of a gripe that I've brought up a few times in our Bleach coverage so far. Uh, but, you know, the dope-ass fights really are kind of the... They're the selling point for us. And Kill a Kill is basically just all dope-ass fights strung together with some goofy comic book cartoon bullshit plot and it works so so well and it's just great and this is just yet another part of them using that masterfully to just add extra spice to the dish yeah it's it's truly it's truly one of the most oh man uh, there's just so many ridiculous moments inside of this show but i i love each and every one of these ridiculous moments <laughs> also just yeah so Ma- mako getting the she gets she gets her new uniform as well which is just oh i loved this okay so mako gets her uniform and her uniform is like um it's it's the boxing club president uniform and the funniest moment of this i think is when they show mako to begin with and they're like rating her battle strength um and they show her body and it's just like zeros across the board and one of them is yes. including pointing at her head which is a zero which i'm assuming is like her uh, her imagination or ability to think clearly um and then when they're like <laughs> but when we gave her the goku uniform it maxed out everything and everything goes to like 99.999 percent except for her head which is just still zero <laughs> <laughs> oh she is just like this endless font of great jokes and a guy it works so so well and then she comes in in her new goku uniform and she has this like giant suction club that's like the i don't know the 99 vacuum club or something like that and it's just so it's so beyond absurd and so campy and so just past logic that it is just hilarious and amazing and i love it yeah she hits uh she hits this into i think it goes into the next episode which is yeah, um, I think so. Kill a Kill episode 23, Imitation Gold. Um, she hits us into a giant kaiju-shaped uh, uniform that comes up out of the ocean um, after uh, Ryuko and Satsuki fly away with their uniforms um, in a... It's just a truly ridiculous but also just amazing moment. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool, too, because they, they point out, like... Ryuko and Senketsu have been, you know, advancing their abilities throughout the show. I wouldn't say that Satsuki and Junketsu have really done that. And so Ryuko, one of her newer abilities before all the alien shit went down was that she figured out a way to turn her suit into basically a jet so that she could fly. And so they need to fly off to fight Ragio. And she's like, Satsuki, you need to grab my hand and I will carry you to the battle. And Satsuki's like, no, I can fly now too. And it's stupid and cool, but the explanation that they give, I actually really love, which is that Senketsu and Junketsu have now both been worn by the opposite girl from the one that usually wears it. And when these uh, these special uniforms are called Kamui are worn by somebody, they, they gain their power by sucking the blood of the person that's wearing them. And so because they now have the blood of both of the girls mixed into them, the girls are now in sort of like in sync with each other. And so part of the reason that Satsuki is able to turn herself into a jet is because Ryuko could do it and 
her blood has now gone into the uniform that Satsuki is wearing. And it just, it makes so much sense. And it feels like this really satisfying kind of conclusion to their arc as enemies and rivals, which I think was even on in the last episode. Like when Satsuki was asking Ryuko to hit her, it felt like they still had some of that animosity and distrust And in this moment, it feels like it's gone. And it will be gone from here to the end of the series. They are now friends and allies. And this just feels like a way to earn that in a a way that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's a a really cool moment. Um, It also uh, also leads to um, the epic final battle in the sea. Um, because there are asterisk. A, yeah, there are a, a, a bunch of big giant moments, um, inside of this episode. Um, the, the first of which is that they are going to fight against the primordial life fiber, um, with both their ship, which is being attacked by a whole bunch of different uniforms that are raining down. Um, by the way, all of the, uh, the three or the four elite four, of the elite four uh get their uniforms back the three of the elite four uh they get their uniforms back um and they are going to uh run around and start fighting against these uniforms that are trying to take over the ship meanwhile uh ryuko and lady satsuki are gonna fly up to the primordial um life fiber which is flying around like a giant balloon blimp zeppelin monster and that can shoot out rockets that are made of life fiber to try to take down the ship. And uh, when they get into a fight with Lady Ragia, who's riding along the life fiber, primordial life fiber ship thingy, um, they are going to first seemingly get completely decimated, which is they, they are not able to fight against her fast enough. She is able to block them away and parry them immediately. And then uh, Ryuko seems to be cut in half. Um, it turns out, though, that uh, two little fingers going up and then two little fingers going down was actually secret code that she was going to be cut sort of in half, but not in half yeah, enough. Yeah, she did that thing, you know, in baseball. And I, she I gave her the know signal. sports super well, so I will be able to tell you this with complete accuracy. And the catcher guy is like fingering the pitcher and then the pitcher's like now i know how to do my balls um that it's like that and did i do sports correctly thank you thank you for coming to my sports talk you're you have truly the worst ted talks um anyways Happy pride. Uh, <laughs> um what is going to actually happen though is that they are going to uh uh Lady Satsuki is going to um, uh, spend enough time keeping Ragyo's attention that uh, Ryuko is able to go under the big giant life fiber ship and go up through it and cut it at its core, which destroys the big giant ship. And then uh, Nui and Ragyo run off um, to go do something else. And uh, they're like, okay. Also, I did not know that a meme came from this. And it is like one of my favorite memes of all time. Which one? Which is... Huh? Which one? 
the hype thrusters activated me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which I always knew was anime because it was very clearly anime, but didn't have any characters in it because it was the ship, the naked soul, and or the naked sun. What, I don't know what they say in the dub. I, I thought they were saying naked sword, and I thought that was funny, and then I couldn't find any evidence of that when I was writing that, so whatever. But the, the ship that they're in has a has a sort of sword like sharp uh pr- what is it prow is that the front of a ship i don't know Bow. i know ships like i know Bow. baseball so uh they um mako is able to use her newfound powers to activate the thrusters on the ship by getting everybody to run on the gears inside the ship like a hamster wheel and it causes the jets at the back of the ship to like explode outward and propel the ship into the sky and i know this as a meme for hype thrusters activated which is to be used when you are excited about something and i have used it many many times and knew that it was from an anime and never known which anime it was from and now i do and i am so happy Uh, in the story mako does this to launch the ship at the primordial life fiber to help cut it open so that Ryuko can deliver the final blow that she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it actually is plot relevant, and I love that, but I was just so thrilled and surprised to see this meme in action in context. Yeah, it's truly a great show. And that takes us it is. Um, into dinner time before our final episode, which is yeah. episode 24, Past the Infinite Darkness. This episode is... Uh, well, obviously the uh, the last episode of the series, um, but Asterisk. this episode is it's it's very very good. Um, yeah, and starts not, with Nui. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say it. We also ended with the last episode finding out that Nui is also able to sew with her mouth. Um, she's just like yeah. I, she is. She is fully willing to just be like no 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 i'm gonna i'm going to do this i don't i don't care who is trying to stop me i'm gonna be able to just i'm gonna do it no matter what (laughs) yeah you know when people put cherry stems in their mouths and then they spit out a little bow she's doing that (laughs) yeah and because she's also she's gonna fuse with the primordial life fiber and turn into the D Reaper from the end of Digimon Tamers, uh, and then immediately get sucked up into Ragio, so that they're now not the D Reaper anymore. Yeah. Um, she did this, and I was like, "Oh, it's Digimon!" And then they they moved on. <laughs> yeah. Um, before she gets sucked into the Life Fiber, though, actually, she gets uh, she gets new hands from Ragio. Oh yeah, her, she does. Her pointy, stabby hands. <laughs> Yeah, this is cool. They're 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 basically hands made entirely of life fibers. So she like at one point she gets knocked away and turns them into wings to fly back. I was like, this is a sick power. Like I want more of this. But it's also funny that she like she was armless for like a hot minute, and then Ragio is like, I gift you new arms, and I was like, this is cool. Makes total sense. And why did she let her not have arms for so long? <laughs> Yeah. Um and then uh we we get the 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 next super powerful stupid ability um which is that it turns out that uh Ragio is able to use this other power 
that is part of her her suit um, that she is wearing. And this new power is just insane, which is that she can turn off all life fibers um, that are going to be around her. Um, she can completely control the the life fibers out there. And so everybody that was normally fighting again and doing all right inside of the fight is all of a sudden unable to fight at all. And they just, uh, they are completely taken down by Ragio. Uh, and the only reason that she is able to she be taken down at all is because she gets full on super villain, uh, like way too much. What is, what's the term I'm looking for? Monologue? She's getting her comeuppance. <laughs> oh. It's, it's her, uh, what is it? It's her hubris. Her hubris gets too big. Oh yeah, the hubris. Yeah, the, her her pride that leadeth to the fall. Yeah, it gets she gets too much hubris, and because of that, she is she is not able to pay full attention. Uh, and Sinkets is able to get a stabbing blow into her. Um, and yeah, it's partly it's partly a surprise because initially Senkets gets shut down also by her ability, but then. It turns out that because he is different than regular life fiber clothing and because of his allyship with uh, Ryuko that he's able to overcome basically basically her ability is like a fear wave that that causes all Goku or all uh, all life fiber uniforms to be stopped in their tracks because of fear paralysis and Senketsu is able to overcome that fear and this all this is all just a sort of like explanation for him being stopped and then no longer being stopped before but i appreciated it they, they went the extra mile yeah yeah so um when she gets stabbed uh it makes a hole and everybody gets their powers back and they start to get into the fight again um but uh the other thing that is happening is that there is a life fiber condom that is around uh the <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you're so right. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a life fight of her condom that is around uh this this uh antenna tower that's sticking up out of the ground. Um Is it the is it the tower from Hanoji Academy or am yes, I wrong about that? It is that? the tower from Hanoji Academy. Um and when okay. when they get their powers back, uh they are they're able to the Elite Four is able to go down and break through this condom and destroy the tower and when they destroy the tower usually not a good thing but in this instance it's what they wanted yeah and when they destroy the tower it shoots up a uh, a wave of uh of 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 red what looks like some some sort of water or liquid um and i was just like hilarious they have made <laughs> a life finder fiber condom and then ripped through the condom to release all yeah. over everybody else it's ridiculous. Uh-huh. It's around a tower, which, you know, towers are inherently phallic. And, uh, you know, there you go. Yeah, it is hilarious. And uh, I tip my cap to the show at all times for <laughs> knowing exactly what kind of humor is going to just completely resonate with every one of the people that's watching with it. Um, it's yeah, just... I would say that that was actually an impression that I got from these last episodes was that they were really pulling out all the stops to finish, finish strong with the sex humor double entendres. And I thought that that was very good. Yeah, it was, it's so good. This show is great. Um, 
And then we get our our final battle in the sky, um, which is uh, to say that the the main characters are not they're they're not able to completely stand up um, and deal with uh, Lady Ragyo fast enough, and because of that, Ragyo is going to get to space, um, and yeah. she's going to be like. Now that I'm in space, I'm going to make a cocoon around the planet. And you're like, crap. <laughs> yeah, they they explained earlier that the planet cocoon is the sort of end game, which is that she's going to use her, her ability to awaken all the life fibers, which because of the global distribution of the clothing conglomerate that she has been the CEO of means that everybody's clothes have like life fiber sleeper agents in them. And so her ray will cause them to awaken, which will cause the clothes to entrap the wearers and then raise the wearers up into the skies to form a sort of quilted blanket around the earth through which the life fibers will absorb the energy of the people wearing them and the earth itself until so much energy has been absorbed that the earth explodes and that explosion will fire all the life fibers out into space to find new planets to take over and explode. Yeah. So this is the end game. Yeah. It's a, it's a solid end game if there's ever been one. Um, but and and has there who knows <laughs> yeah and when uh when uh the she chases ragyo out to space um we then get a an additional moment and uh this moment is um frustrating <laughs> to say the least oh um because she's she's by this point she's become one um with uh nui and Nui has given her the ability to just like um, uh, fight again in space, and or Lady Ragio to fight again in space with her like super powered abilities. She's she's like super 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 powered up at this point, um, and and I I don't I don't like that she just can. Um, immediately use the ability again to knock off Ryuko's ability um and she's able to like kind of control her again but then she's she goes into like the the plot armor I have to do this because it's my time to do this power um did you feel that as well or did you did you sort of just I am not following what you're saying. Okay. What what do you mean? Are you talking about when they're fighting in space? Yeah. And and when she when she's fighting in space and Ragyo is just taking her to task. And the only Yeah. the only reason that she, like the 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 scissor blades are able to be knocked away um and instead she comes up with this you know humans humans are not clothes clothes are not humans. Oh my god. This Hold. mantra, they say so much humans are humans and clothes are clothes. And I'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> and the- but it's so like it's presented as just this like you know, this sort of you know how at the end of the shonen shows, generally speaking, the protagonist will have some sort of quick phrase such as humans are human and clothes are clothes that becomes the thesis for why they're right and why the villain is wrong. 
and also something of an emotional climax for the show. And this is theirs, and it is... It, it's, it's not presented as a joke, and consequently I don't think it works very well, but it is funny in a way that doesn't feel intentional. So I would say this doesn't work for me quite as well. But yeah, Ryuko gets to space by absorbing all of the powers of all the Goku uniforms around her so that she can go Super Saiyan basically literally because her hair turns blonde and her hair is usually black so you know there's that uh and then she yeah she gets up to space she starts fighting ragyo and ragyo is just beating the shit out of her and has like super tentacle powers and is stabbing her a lot but the thing is that ryuko is made up of life fibers too and so she's able to uh she's able to heal from her injuries almost immediately each time and i I was just like, okay, I don't know where this is going, but it definitely feels like a curb stomp battle against the hero, except that the hero is not being beaten. Yeah. So is that what is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, it it really feels like she should not be able to win, and then they they pull out yeah. the the she is able to win because she has this ability to absorb life fibers because she has the ability to absorb life fibers. Like, yeah, here's the confusing thing for me. So the thing that worked is that Ryuko, of course, is wearing Senketsu. And Senketsu is like, it turns out what I've realized is that my true power is to absorb the energy of other life fibers. And they do flashbacks to her battles early on in the series. She would fight, you know, sort of a monster of the week style. She would fight another member of the student body who was wearing a Goku uniform. And when she would beat them and slash the Goku uniform to pieces, the life fiber of the Goku uniform that gave it its power would be absorbed into Senketsu. And this made sense to me. This actually is another Digimon Tamers reference, which is when they would beat Digimon, they would absorb their data and it would it would help them become stronger. This is the kind of thing that you see in, in a lot of series like this, where the power can be drawn in from defeated enemies. I really like that trip, so I always enjoyed that. And here at the end, Senketsu is like, that, it turns out, is actually my secret ability, which is that I can absorb that from any life fibers. And the life fibers are the villains here, and that is going to be our trump card. And I really liked that. And then, separate from that, at least the way that I interpreted how they said this, Ryuko herself says something to the extent of my ability, my ability, not Senketsu's ability, is that when I get hurt, I get stronger. And I didn't feel that that had been shown at all. And I was already like, she's gone Super Saiyan because her hair turned blonde. And that is an explicit ability of Saiyans. And I don't remember them ever saying this. And unlike when Senkatsu was like, my ability is to absorb life fibers. And then they did flashback moments to show that that's what had been happening all along. Ryuko just says this shit. We're supposed to buy it. And I don't think she's ever expressed this before. And I don't know where it came from. And I was like, nah, I don't know that that's accurate. And then she just wins. Uh, and I did not care for that, even though the fight was cool. It just felt a little bit like they were like, well, how does she win? Uh, well, she'll do this. And then Senkatsu's absorption ability is relevant, but doesn't seem to be specifically the ability that lets Ryuko win. And I, I didn't completely follow that. Yeah, it it felt it felt a little bit aspily 
Like, I, yeah. I we hadn't seen this up until this, but we needed a way for her to be defeated. Um, so. Yeah, and I thought the Senketsu thing was more than enough of a way. And they are explicitly partners and their bond matters. And so I think what they were worried about was if this is Senketsu's power, then she, as the protagonist, doesn't ultimately get the win. And I sympathize with that concern, but I, I don't agree with the way they went about solving it. Because they basically they basically hand wave gave her essentially the same power, but just through her and then said that that was how she won. And I just didn't I didn't I didn't see it. Yeah. Also, this leads to Ragyo, um Ragyo's death being like the the ultimate sepulcher or sepulcher or however you say it, where she's just like, what? fuck you. I don't you don't get to choose how I die. I decide how I die. Um and it's like it's like uh there's there's a, a thing inside of like Japanese culture where it's just like if you're dishonored Oh seppuku. Uh yeah, seppuku. Um where you're like you kill yourself before other people can kill you or um they there was a cool version of it they did when uh in the the Wolverine movie, um the one where he not the terrible one where you have the first instance of Deadpool and it's terrible. Um but oh, yeah. the one where uh, you mean the Wolverine, the movie called the Wolverine, which yes. was the second film in the Wolverine trilogy. Yes, um, where he is shown yeah. to survive a uh, a nuclear blast. Um, but before that, when they see the bomb coming down, these the you Japanese can survive soldiers... a nuclear blast with a refrigerator, Spencer. Oh, That's not that impressive. Just hate you, hate you right now so much. <laughs> um, but they they kill themselves before the bomb comes down because they want to choose how they die, right? Um, and uh, but instead, Ragio is going to be like, I'm just going to tear out my own heart and crush it in my hands. She's tearing out her heart, and then and then she's just like, bye. It just disappears. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then she just explodes, and then Ryuko falls back to earth. Which here's a thing. <laughs> A few minutes before Ragyo kills herself, when when Ryuko is shown to be victorious in reversing the signal that caused all the life fibers to take over, it causes all the clothes to dissolve in the way that Ragyo will in a few moments, and all of the people to then fall back to Earth from really high up in the sky. And they show these shots of the protagonists who did not get pulled into the sky, standing on the ship, all smiling and feeling victorious as the people behind them fall in a way that looks like, you know, shooting stars. And it's this really lovely moment. And I was like, this looks great. And the only thing I can think of is how are these people going to survive the landing? Oh, they all died. There's no way they didn't all die. Yeah, for sure. Like everybody on Earth definitely died. So this is... They don't mention it, but that's definitely what happened based on what I'm seeing. And this is this is then, I think, inadvertently supported by what happens next, which is that Ryuko falls back to Earth. Senkatsu reveals that this fight took a lot out of him, and he only has enough energy to help slow her descent to Earth, even though that doesn't seem to do anything because then she has to get caught by all of her friends. Yeah. And they catch her. And it's this big emotional thing, and the emotion works, but I was also like, well, if she was going to die from this, so did everybody else who did not have anybody to catch them. Everyone on Earth is dead. Yeah, so 
they're all nude and in a big nude huddle and everybody yeah. everybody is loving it's like each that other. kylie minogue video uh but not sexy <laughs> yeah so everybody's back so, uh, and having a good time and uh the show is over um except for this one yeah thing. there's an ova that was not available on the streaming service i was watching and that i, I therefore did not put into our schedule it's an epilogue, I think, so it's not required viewing, but it, it does exist. There is a 25th episode, if you will, that is sort of a an extra thing if you want to find it. I'm sure it's findable. Um, okay. Yeah, what did you think, Spencer? Yeah, this show is great. Um, I loved this show. Um, but there is an additional thing, um, and I believe that it is important to talk about this because this is one of the most hotly debated things at the very end of the show. Which is that before um, Ryuko takes off into space, Mako asks her if she wants to go on a date when they get back. And Ryuko is like, yes. And Mako is just like, yes. And then I was just like, oh, wait a minute. I've missed this the last time I watched this show. And when I watch it through now, I'm like, now I want to watch it through again. And I read this article that this person wrote about how why Mako and Ryuko are definitely into each other, um, not just friend-wise. And the okay. biggest reason that they give for this is they have this moment in the show where they're like, Mako is definitely attracted to Ryuko. And one of the reasons why is that there is a scene where Ryuko is nude um, or like semi-nude and all of the men there's noses explode into blood all of the women don't do anything and Mako her nose explodes into blood as well meaning that she was like you know too much blood rushing to her head moment and that was just like the biggest thing to give off and it and I was just like you know what I could deal I, I could get behind that because this would be the best love story instead of the show is the, the budding <laughs> lesbian relationship between uh, between Mako and Ryuko. Um, and I, I am I'm going to throw it into at least our canon that uh, we we believe in this uh, the 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 June prideiest of months that this is uh, <laughs> this is canon. <laughs> yeah, I would say. You know, as somebody who had never who had never seen or read about the end of the show, I was a little surprised by by her asking her on a date specifically. Um, and I watched the dub. Uh, sometimes these things can be changed in translation. In fact, when uh, when Neon Genesis Evangelion was put onto Net Not a Sponsor, there was some controversy over some changes to the subtitles from that versus like previous official. Uh, versions in which people suggested that Netflix was doing a queer erasure of one of the characters. And I read some interesting articles about why that might have actually just been a more accurate translation of what was being said and blah, blah, blah. I don't know enough about it to get into that, but I, I'm curious about how this plays in the subtitled version, but yeah, in the dub version, it's pretty unambiguous. You really don't use the terminology date for anything other than a romantic coupling. Like you're not going to ask your friends out on a date 
unless that is a parlance that is being used specifically in the context of your friend group, and you know that that means platonic. Generally speaking, unless you have established me asking you out on a date as a platonic thing or as a joke or whatever, it is to be interpreted as romantic interest. And so I I don't see any reason why this wouldn't be romantic based on the way it was presented. I do think that it comes a little bit out of nowhere. Um, I remember that bloody nose moment vaguely. And, you know, Mako's friendship is a little bit manic and not obsessive necessarily. Like, it doesn't seem unhealthy. But she is super attached to Ryuko in a way that you could apply retroactively romantic interest. Um, So I I don't think that this was expected, but I don't think that it breaks any rules being set up by the show previously. I think it completely fits fine with these characters. Um, it's also, you know, interesting to note that Ryuko pretty much immediately says yes to the date. And uh, upon a moment, a, a big climactic moment, she's like, I can't die because I have a date and I mean to keep it. And so, like, I think that's really interesting. Ryuko hasn't ever shown any sexual interest in anybody in the show. Uh, and so it's completely believable that now that the fight is over, she can have that and that it is for her friend. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason why this shouldn't be. Uh, I think, you know, their friendship, there's something to be said for friendships that don't that don't hide romantic feelings. I think those don't get shown in a lot of media. So I could understand people being a little upset that such a strong and pure friendship ultimately turned out to be because of romantic interest or leading to romantic interest or whatever. There's something to be said for that. But, you know, that's how it works sometimes. And I think this is totally believable. Yeah, and with all that being said, uh, this show is fantastic. I believe Blake and I both super would recommend this show. Um, to Yeah, if you want more serious plot affair, you're probably going to have a hard time with this show. But generally speaking, if you like well-animated, sick-ass fights, this is your jam. And uh, it's going to sort of distill it down into an easy-to-swallow 24 episodes that delivers constantly. All right. Uh, and so stick with us after these credits and we'll tell you what's coming on next time. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind podcast network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. 
We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. Next time on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden episodes 54, 55, 72, and 73. Blake, I have a confession to make, and that is that I have found a breakdown of those episodes that are in between, and I will be giving you a quick recap of the filler arc in between. Be prepared. It's terrible. All are punished.